0: Bill Dance. <laughs> He's a fisherman. He's had a television show for since 1968, uh, fishing saltwater as well as freshwater. And the answer is yes. I have a third cousin of Bill Dance. The third question I usually get is, "Are you really?" You know, as if that's not possible. But it is possible. I've never actually met anybody named Dance that I am not related to. Does anybody know a Dance? Anybody? All right. Great, great Southern Baptist name. It's perfect, perfect. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, in the church that my parents are still at. My dad teaches a men's class. He's a deacon. His average about eight widows. And uh, my mom, right there with him, ministering to those widows. I talked to him this morning, and it reminded me of something that happened when I was nine years old. I was at a father-son royal ambassador camp out. Does anybody know what royal ambassadors, RAs are? Okay, I, I'm with my people here. <laughs> For those that don't know, it's okay. It's like, a, it's like a Baptist Boy Scout. So It's the best I can tell you. And, you know, we, we, um, so we were on this, uh, this lake property, and there was a big bonfire. There was swimming. It was in the middle of the summer. This was the 70s. 1974 so there was cutoffs no shoes no shirts no problem no moms to tell us what to do so we had no we had no programs there we had no organization we just stuck to hot dogs and and uh, s'mores and swimming that was our agenda just father-son time and it was going great i remember i remember uh after eating hot dogs i was i was ready i was it was hot you know this is this is texas tyler texas east texas and so i was ready to go swimming again and so here i am in cut off and i'm i'm walking towards the lake and i did not notice where the bonfire used to be now it was just a bunch of black coals, and uh, i walked or fell through that fire pit and pandemonium took place. You had no moms there. Did you catch that before? (laughs) Okay. We were all feeling pretty good about that until that moment when men, if you hadn't heard, are generally morons. (laughs) Especially when a child is hurt or crying. We have no idea what to do. And my dad, I remember, scooped me up and he carried me to the car and on the way he was yelling at other men to get the mayonnaise. Find some mayonnaise. When men don't know what to do, they just put condiments on their kids, you know? <laughs> so my dad, you know, this, we, they, and this is seven, 1974. We didn't have a little pot packet, so you know, my dad just scooped it up, started wiping all over my burn. I had third, second degree, in third degree burns on my my arm and on my leg and my feet and the mayonnaise did not help whatsoever. (laughs) Created a significant problem actually later on but eventually you know I did get to the only place in town that could actually help me the hospital and I was there for several days and I don't even have one scar from that event. When people get burned In Bradenton where do they go for help because they will get burned they'll get burned by life get burned some by marriage some will get burned by their kids or parents or at work sometimes we get burned at church and when they do wouldn't it be great if we were ready for them wouldn't it be great if we were that hospital if first Baptist Bradenton's that hospital or even you we're trained to be the first responder, to know what to do when a real emergency happened. When people need the Lord, we need to be ready to introduce them. That's why I'm here today. I'm not an evangelist. I don't preach revivals. I mean, I, I don't even... I'm, I'm just a pastor who grew up a deacon's kid. And I eventually learned, like all people do how much Jesus loved me, and then I had to learn how to tell other people about his incredible love. So as uh, after Philip invited me to come and to be a part of this Mission Sunday and the training this afternoon, I prayed about what to share this morning and this afternoon, and he, God took me to Acts chapter 8. So if you have a Bible, please turn to Acts chapter 8. Did anybody, while we're turning there, did anybody happen to catch the dad moment in the baptistry? I didn't want you to miss the fact I've never seen anybody fix somebody's hair after they baptized him. <laughs> That's a first for me. Did anybody else notice that flipped his hair back? I mean, that, you can't take the dad out of Philip, man. You know, he's going to take care of MJ. That was the highlight of the day. There's nothing I can do or say that's going to be better than MJ's baptism. That was the peak of the day. Oh, yes. So today, we're talking about Who's Your One. It's actually a brand new, brand new initiative from the North American Mission Board. James Peoples represents uh, the Florida Baptist Convention. You've got so many partners. I work at LifeWay. North American Mission Board um, and our president J.D. Greer rolled out this simple challenge to 15 million Southern Baptists, and that is to find one person to share your faith with. I think we can do that. The only notes you'll need to take today are to write down that one person's name. That's the only thing I'm asking you to write down by the end of this 30 minutes is one person whom you would like to share the gospel with. And then I hope to help you know what to say and do when you get there. Acts chapter 8 starting in verse 25 and um, I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of God's word as we read this together and I'm reading from the CSB it says Lifeway comes, it prints that publishes that and every time I say CSB an angel gets its wings and I get a raise. So, <laughs> so this is Philip. Philip is um, He's a deacon. He's a layman. There is Philip the Apostle. This is not him. All right? This is the other Philip. There's two. And he had, um, after Stephen, uh, another of the first seven deacons, was stoned to death, the first martyr, Uh, Philip becomes the first missionary. Isn't that interesting? Not pastors, lay people. First martyr, first missionary were deacons. And uh, he goes and he starts to witness in a Samaritan town. Maybe, maybe it was the one that Jesus met the woman at the well. It doesn't say, but definitely in that area. And after they testified and spoke in the word of the Lord, they traveled back to Jerusalem. That's John and Peter preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans, which leads to this conversation. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. He says, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. That is the desert road. So we got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch and high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on the way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was like a, a, a sheep to the slaughter, led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In this humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the, uh, the eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about? Himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus. That's what the gospel is, the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. And as they were traveling down the road, he came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop went down, both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water. He baptized him, and then Philip fixed his hair right afterwards. (laughs) I'm going to milk that to my funeral, baby. Woo! I'm glad we're with happy Baptists today. All right. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer. He went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Aztos, And as he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Father, I pray that you would place into our minds, press into our hearts, someone that you want to turn from their sin and turn to you. Right now, if you know who that is, would you pray for them? Maybe it's a neighbor, friend, family, enemy. Now pray for yourself. God, give me courage to share. Father, we thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you for changing our lives. Now help us, use us to change someone else's life. We pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. So you know, sometimes, um, I, sometimes you wonder, is this is this for me? Is this for somebody else? Do I need to be throwing elbows, or, or this is this is only for people who would consider themselves missionaries. And so, if um, MJ is an example of someone who is now a missionary, because. Once you have received the gospel, we have been all, all Christians have been commissioned to share the gospel. So in that sense, I'm not talking about a professional group that lives in another country. I'm talking about missionaries as every single person who's received the gospel is responsible to share the gospel, which is why you have a missions day, right? Because you believe that. You can, you can use the word evangelist if you want to, which means share the good news. But I'm not talking about professional evangelists. We're not talking about... Pros, we're talking about Joes, which is why God led me here to this passage about Philip. Philip, the deacon, the non-pro. So, just a little pop quiz. If you're wondering if, if I'm a missionary, here's what, a, here's what the qualifications are. Well, missionaries will go anywhere, will go anywhere at any time. That's what Philip did. When the angel spoke to Philip, he said, get up and go. What happens? Verse 26, he says, get up and go. And verse 27 says he got up and went. It's that simple. It didn't, it didn't say that he was eager to go. It, did, it didn't say that he was willing to go or even maybe was reluctant to go. The fact is, Some things you don't have to pray about. You don't have to pray about whether you should share your faith. We're just praying for who we're going to share our faith with. So missionaries, just that simply, will go anywhere. we Will go anywhere. And we will go at any time. If I only shared the gospel when I wanted to, honestly, I would not share the gospel very much. If I only got up and went when it was convenient, when I had my checklist, when I was available, you know, when I had time. And really, uh, spiritual disciplines, a recent Barna study came up with pretty much an obvious uh, answer to a a question, surveying Christians, church-going Christians, what's, what's your greatest obstacle to reading the Bible, to sharing your faith? And everybody just said, you know, my number one thing is I'm too... Busy, too busy. Yeah, I've used that a lot. I don't see Philip doing that, though. He didn't like. you know what? I would go to Gaza, but Gaza is on the way to nowhere. I've been there. When I uh, drove from, on a bus, I didn't drive. I was actually a passenger from Egypt to Israel. You have to go through the Sinai Peninsula. I didn't go through the Gaza Strip, but around it. Um, but it's just barren. I mean, it says it's a desert. It's a desert. There's nothing there. And he's actually in the middle of a revival. It's like he's having church. John, I mean, you've got John and Peter, the bigwigs coming from Jerusalem to check it out. and Everything's going great. The city, it says, is rejoicing. Earlier in, in, um, was full of joy in, in Acts chapter 8. And then God says, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you to the desert. I'm going to take you to an inconvenient place at an inconvenient time. And that's what missionaries do. They go, they go because Jesus said, "Go and make disciples." They don't overthink it. They don't overthink it. Honestly, Philip never even left the country. Everything that we read in Acts chapter eight is within, at that time, the nation of Israel's parameters. And so we're not talking about a mission trip somewhere. We're talking about a mission trip right here. Now it's great to you can you can do missions short term and long term other places but this is not a geographic question the question is are you a missionary some will be able to go some will be able to send but everybody everybody today will see people that don't know the Lord so let's take this literally unless you live on a big farm somewhere and you might and if you do I'm a little jealous I live in a subdivision north of Nashville. And so I can see my neighbor's house across the street and the neighbor next to him. And then on each side, I have neighbors. And so when we moved to there four years ago, I started to make an effort to meet my neighbors because the whole love your neighbor thing seems to be crystal clear. It says, here's the two most important things in, that you will do today and this week and your entire life, according to Jesus, is to love God and love your neighbor. So neighbor means nearest one. Nearest one, Ryan and Becky and their kids, Willow and Cassius. Tracy and Bill on the other side. Then you've got Frank. Frank's the known as the watcher. you got a neighborhood watcher, sits out there and just... Yeah, Frank, Frank, Frank's our Gladys Kravitz. So, and then you got Leonard. Leonard. Leonard's my one. My one. Leonard lives by himself. Leonard's my age. Leonard's not very friendly. Leonard, the uh, first few years, I wave at Leonard, and Leonard didn't wave back. Anybody got a neighbor like that doesn't wave back? Pretends like they didn't see you? Yeah think they hate their guts. I'm like, Lord, anybody, anybody but Leonard, anybody. I'll go, I'll go to the Gaza Strip right now, but I do not want to talk to Leonard. <laughs> but a missionary will go anywhere, even across the street. And if I'm not willing to go across the street, I sure am not qualified to call myself a missionary. And I've been to 30 countries, and I'm struggling with crossing the street. So I forced myself one day to go talk to Leonard because he's one, you know, he just, he obviously doesn't like people, doesn't, only comes outside to mow his grass and he only mows his grass with his shirt off and to make it. So I'm over there. I stop him from mowing his grass and I'm talking to Leonard, noticing that he has a well manicured body. His hair is perfect. Leonard is making everything awkward for me. <laughs> he's not trying. He's just Leonard. And so, the next time, he's nice enough. The next time, he waves back. And then, last week, I was walking around, just cooling off from a jog, and it was... The sun was going down, and Leonard was in his garage. And I waved at him. He didn't wave back, so I thought, well, it's kind of dark out here. Maybe he doesn't recognize me, and that's cool. All of a sudden, Leonard's walking towards me. Walked across the street to greet me and to talk to me. Leonard's my friend now. I haven't led him to Christ. I haven't shared the gospel with him. But we text each other sometimes. It took me a while to get his phone number. I mean, the the fact is, until until that day when I actually can lead him to Christ, Leonard's going to be my one. I'm not talking about people that you don't know. I'm talking about people that you do know. I'm talking about the hard ones. I'm talking about the inconvenient ones because a missionary will go anywhere at any time. Here's another thing that Philip taught us is that, he, that they will love anyone. A missionary will love anyone. Jesus taught us this. He said, you know, if you love only those who love you, what reward will you have? Jesus said, don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters... Don't even the Gentiles do the same? That's a hard one to read because I'm a church rat. You know, I grew up, I'm a, you know, grew up Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I mean, you know, we went to church. We, even though the wonderful world of Disney was on Sunday night, we still went to church. That's how committed we were. I mean, you're only an hour from there. But I mean, the rest of us had to wait all week. And, you know... We can be surrounded by Christians all the time and not know any lost people. Missionaries, though, they don't just love each other, they love others. The gospel is not just for us to talk about on Sunday, it's to talk about between Sundays, right? We know that. And so Philip over there, he's talking to Samaritans, which we already know uh, were half-breeds, that... Most Jews did not like or talk to. And Jesus had already crossed that barrier with a woman of the well. And then they're using the Samaritan as a story, the Good Samaritan story, as an example of someone who loves their neighbor. And so he's having a revival in Samaria. And so John and Peter, check it out. They're not just there to help. They're just making sure everything's cool. And now this, this deacon, this layman, goes from Samaria to the desert to talk. To an African. And he doesn't get any specific instructions. He's just following them as his chariot goes along. He doesn't push back. He doesn't complain. He just makes friends. Total, totally bizarre for a Jewish boy. Not only does he talk to this. CFO from Africa, but from there, that last verse I read says he went to Aztos, which is the home of the Philistines. The Philistines. Doesn't that bring a smile to your face? Yeah, remember Goliath? And then he ends up in Caesarea. In other words, you've got a guy here, this layman, who's making friends with Samaritans, Ethiopians, because this, this eunuch was not alone, he was an entourage from Candace, his boss, the the queen of Ethiopia, Philistines and Jews. I want to be a missionary. I want to speak to people that don't look like me, that don't sound like me, that don't believe like me, that might even creep me out a little bit. That's a missionary. They They will do anything. They'll go anywhere, speak to anyone at any time. That's the kind of people God's looking for. If you're if you're in, if you're in, tell the Lord. Tell the Lord, "Yes, I will go anywhere. I will speak with anybody in my subdivision or my gym or the restaurant today or I'll even I'll even speak to that crouchy old unhappy Baptist that's in the pew behind me." Cuz when I said happy Baptist, Earlier, you all knew what I meant. That there are other Baptists. Anybody, anybody can love people that love them first. That's easy. Missionaries will go anywhere, anytime, love anybody. And here's another thing I've learned from Philip. Missionaries listen well. Missionaries aren't great talkers. If you come today at 530, I'm going to teach you how to share your faith. But I'm going to teach you how to listen. Before I teach you how to talk. And I believe the missionary is going to be a better listener than they are talker. Much better. People don't need a presentation, they need a conversation. I'm not going to teach you anything that you're going to have to memorize, but I'm going to teach you how to share your faith with a total stranger, your best friend, your mom, your dad. Fact is, it's a different time. But people have always been the same. E- Ethiopian man was this high official, charge of the treasury, chief financial officer. He, he, he's got questions. He's got questions. So Philip comes along and he asks him, how, how can I help you? Do you understand what you're reading? He's asking a question. He's wanting the Ethiopian to talk to him. He's walking beside his chariot. Don't, don't imagine some um, colonialism or um, Elizabethan kind of chariot imagine a slow moving and he's hearing this guy read scripture out loud and he'd come from jerusalem he'd been there on an official visit and part of it was the uh, visit of the temple and so philip could have been all you know trying to impress him like hey nice chariot what kind of horsepower you got there you know it's a or uh candace tell me about candace Do you have any cool pets Ethiopia, I mean, she got a leopard or something, you know, just chatting him up. Or how was your visit to the temple? Oh, that's right. You couldn't really go inside. But never mind. That was awkward. But Philip did not chat him up. He did not try to create an artificial bridge and be somebody he wasn't. He said, is there something I can help you with? How many of you could ask that question of anybody? Is there something I can help you with? Something, you know, just be there for him. And the guy's like, yeah, I don't understand. Who's this talking about in this this scripture? And then what happens next is what all of us hope for. It's what happened with Leonard. He invites Philip to come into his chariot. Philip didn't say, can I get up in your chariot and talk to you? He invites him in. And that means he was a good listener. It may take a while before Leonard is ready. Some people that we want to share faith with are not ready. We're ready. They're not ready. Let the Holy Spirit draw them to himself. Let the Holy Spirit do the hard work. You just got to be on go. All right. You got to be willing to go anywhere at any time and to talk to anyone. And you've got to be a listener. You've got to be able to listen well. So I'm going to teach you this afternoon how to have evangelistic ears, how to be Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, as it says in James 1, 19. And then uh, missionaries are are prepared. They're prepared. Philip, uh, it says in verse 35, proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus beginning with that scripture. He did not just wing it. Now, it was all the Bible that this guy could have been reading from. And so God used him. And he will supernaturally bring you the right words to say. But when you're not sure what to say, just talk about Jesus. All right? If you know John 3.16, you're ready to lead somebody to Jesus right now. Okay? So, so you are more ready than you think. You are more ready than you think. But you still need to be equipped. And Philip's job is, is not to lead everybody in Bradenton to Christ. His job is to make sure that you're equipped. His job is to equip you to work in ministry. So he's asked me to come to do that. If you're not there at 5.30, I cannot equip you. And you might be busy. You probably got other plans. But the fact is that person that God placed on your heart needs to hear about Jesus. And you will be talking about this a thousand years from now and two thousand years from now. And you'll be so glad that you invested time to be ready. The Bible says that we need to be prepared. Prepared. How many many Boy Scouts in here? Former Boy Scouts. Raise your hand. All right. Girl Scouts. Any Girl Scouts in here? So who who knows... The the Boy Scout motto, even if you're not a scout, you know, be prepared, be prepared. Well, you know, they stole that from Peter. (laughs) I was a Boy Scout. I was an Eagle Scout. So I heard it a lot. Always be prepared, Peter said, to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. First Peter 315 and do it with gentleness and respect, he adds. (laughs) Which is a little ironic. Peter's telling us to be gentle and respectful. But anyway, um, it's true. It's true. So, nine years old, I have my trial by fire. Three years later, a different lake on the other side of Tyler, Texas, my hometown, I'm at a Boy Scout retreat. And we are kayaking and swimming. Different lake on the other side of town, kayaking and swimming. And one of, the boys, one, of the, one of the boys did not know how to swim, and his kayak tipped over. There were no adults there. They were at the campsite. So it was just us kids playing. I, I was on the, uh, the, uh, the boat dock. And when Danny started to drown in panic, and his arms going up everywhere, and he was a big boy, um, I just did what I learned at Boy Scout camp. I jumped in, I swam behind him, I grabbed him by the collar and, or horse-collared him, and then swam him to shore. The, the rest of the boys helped drag him in, and I remember being relieved of two things. One, that he was okay, you know, he spat up some water, and, and you know, it was just a bunch of boys there, 12-year-old boys. And the second thing I remember, and don't judge me on this, but I was so relieved that I did not have to give Danny CPR. <laughs> <sighs> so we were excited. I mean, honestly, it just happened so quickly. And, you know, he was going to be okay. And we went back to camp, and they were like, hey, you just told the Boy Scout master what happened, and he completely blew it off. As an adult I realized that he's thinking, "Oh no, I should have I let those boys swim by themselves or whatever." But the here the point of this story is that the only reason I knew how to do that was because somebody told me how to do that. At Boy Scout camp in a life-saving merit badge course, we had to not only We had to practice it over and over and over. Somebody had to be the drowning kid. Then, you know, we would switch roles. And and we knew that if somebody's panicking and you just go, they will take you down. So you go behind them and you do it a certain way. It was pretty simple. But at the same time, Danny's life depended on it. What I'm going to teach you this afternoon is very simple. And, and, And don't misunderstand me. You will not ever be trained to save somebody's life. Because no one can save another person's soul. Only Jesus could do that. Only the finished work of the cross. His death, burial, and resurrection made it possible for anybody. That whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But wouldn't you like to be the person that introduces him? Wouldn't you like to be that missionary, that mouthpiece? And like Philip, you can be that person. You can be in that chariot, but only if you're willing to go anywhere. Only if you're willing to go any time. Only if you're willing to talk to anybody. And if you're willing to listen, then you'll be ready to talk. And to the glorious hope of the gospel that might just change somebody's eternity. As we bow together, I want to give you a few moments of silence with the Lord. And before we ask people to make a decision to follow Jesus or to join this church or uh, whatever spiritual formal decision you like to make, which will give you an opportunity, I'm going to ask you right now Are you a missionary? And if not, do you want to be?